This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Mike Usine, Jeffrey Klein, and Anne Greenhall. Welcome to Leadership in Action. It's Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. You're here with us on Channel 132, and I'm Jeff Klein. And I'm with my dear friend, Dan Greenhall. Oh, nice of you to say, Jeff. Nice to see you. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Together, Anne and I direct the Anne and John McNulty Leadership Program here at the Wharton School. Uh, we have the privilege to work with undergraduates, with MBA students, executive MBAs, and then many of the practitioners, the managers and executives who will come to Wharton for a week or five weeks or somewhere in between and and uh, engage their growth mindset. Yeah, it's really pretty amazing. Yeah. Quite a privilege. Our guest tonight, I mean, we have a hot-off-the-presses book just released. Uh, the book is called Scaling Leadership, Building Organizational Capability and Capacity to Create Outcomes that Matter Most. Uh, the authors are Robert Anderson, uh, Bob, who will be our, our guest in a few minutes, and then uh, William Adams, uh, Bill, as well. And um, two really experienced researchers and organizational leaders, right? And, and as, as I took a look at the book, I was um, probably informed the way I even chose to open the show because they said, you know, we were – here we are. We're, we're going to write a book about scaling leadership and – we realized we were having a little bit of a hard time scaling our own leadership, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we we research those things which um, interest us or confound us. That's the truth. <laughs> depending so on our true. mood, right? Depending right. on our mood. Yep. With that, I'd like to welcome Robert Ander Anderson to the program. Bob, how are you? Well, and you got me smiling over here, so I'm <laughs> oh, doing good. good. All right. <laughs> oh, good. All right. We <laughs> completely, completely resonated with all of you were laughing, at, you know, and poking fun at yourselves about because we're, we're right in the middle of it too. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's if there's not a little bit of a struggle, I don't know that we can call it leadership anymore, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. No. Yeah, so, Bob, if I can, I want to say a couple words about you and then um, be excited sure. to dive into this interview. Um, Bob, you're the founder, chairman, and chief creative officer of the Leadership Circle and the Full Circle Group, um, along with your co-author, uh, William Adams. And okay. you've you've written this book, Scaling Leadership. Um, uh, you're also co-author of Mastering Leadership, which, which preceded this book, and... Um, this book, Scaling Leadership, Building Organizational Capability and Capacity to Create Outcomes that Matter Most, um, you know, I, I loved, you know, the, the way that you describe this book is, is really, you know, how you were, you were able to go to the source, right, and go to the source of senior leaders who are describing leadership and giving, giving feedback to other senior leaders, you know, and, and really try to use a, a practitioner's frame and a, and a very um, application-focused frame. And I, I really appreciated that throughout the whole book. Um, Thank you. You are, 
you're also the creator of the Leadership Circle Profile, which is a, a 360 assessment, which has used, been used by organizations around the world. Uh, I've seen it here at Wharton a number of times. Um, and congratulations, the uh, MECO, M-E-E-C-O, Leadership Institute, awarded you with an international thought leader of distinction uh, just last year. So welcome to our show. Glad to be here. Really an honor. Wharton has been, you guys are privileged to I mean, the work at a, and, you know, lead at a place like Wharton. It's such a prestigious organization, well, especially around leadership. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. It's been a, um, certainly been a, a great honor. Uh, to work here and to to do the kind of work that we do with with yeah. students who are are just hungry to learn, right? And I think yeah. Yeah. one of one of the the gifts of education uh, is we realize just how committed um, we all can be as learners, right? And mm-hmm. I think we can all hold our hold ourselves up and uh, and and see the kinds of impact that education right. can have. Yeah, and, and remembering, yeah. and Jeff, you say this a lot, and I really do believe it's true, just to remind ourselves that we are always learning. <laughs> and that, um, you know, I know, and I know you know, we learn so much from the students and participants in our sessions. So it's always a learning a learning experience. So, Bob, what led... Uh, what just what led to wanting to write this book? Um, what what were the questions you were you were seeking answers for? Well, I'll give you the true story. Um, <laughs> we were uh, Bill and I were going to be speaking at a, our our annual conference in Sydney, <clears throat> and I've been down there. I think doing keynotes almost every year since 2011, and frankly, I'm scratching my head going, what am I going to talk about this time? This <laughs> new and unique and different, you know, because you pack so much in a keynote, you know, and it's after years of doing that, I'm like, okay, I got to. So I went to Bill and we were pretty short notice on this. I said, um, how about we pull the trigger on this study of uh, our written comments and give us something to talk about down in Sydney? And he said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so we got our, we have a research organization that <clears throat> does all of our statistical work and research. And so we had them do the study, and it blew us away. It just, frankly, we got the data about two weeks before. It wasn't really organized. Uh, put a bunch of time into organizing it, and the more it came together, we went, oh, my gosh. And we were, had just finished writing Mastering Leadership. And so we were not interested really in jumping right into another book project, but we just, you know, said, wow, this is, this is too good. We got to get on it. And so we literally started right away, started working it with clients, working at keynotes. And then, um, you know, and then wrote the book. And so if you would, Bob, say, say a little bit about the, the data set that you're talking about. Yeah. So we have, Probably right now we have about a uh, in the leadership circles of the, the assessment we use, and it's a bit of a unique assessment. I can talk about it if we want to go there, but um, it's a very in-depth um, uh, measures a lot of different dimensions. Some of which are really quite what we call creative, the kind of key competencies that result in effectiveness and leadership. And these are the kinds of competencies you'll see on most of the good 360s. And then we measure a whole host of 
what we call reactive tendencies, which are strengths, but their strengths run through a play not to lose or reactive structure, which actually makes them uh, a liability. Hmm. So, for example, I'm, you were talking, Ann, about, um, you know, wanting to move, having to move into some more decisiveness or mm-hmm. unilateralness sometimes. Mm-hmm. And for some, that is the default setting, right? Yeah. And they don't have a choice about it. So when you talked about it, it's not your preferred, but right. you have a choice. If you didn't have that choice, we would call that reactive. You are in, uh, it's running you. And when that happens, it can have all kinds of liabilities associated with it. So we have this really rich database, and, and of course it's 360, so you got feedback. So we have about a million and a half surveys. And we decided to sort that database into um, senior leaders, uh, large organizations, multiple direct reports, um, um, all over the world, um, and did a sort that way. And then we said, now let's sort that group for the most creative and least reactive in our in that data set, top quartile, and the least creative and most reactive, bottom quartile. And then we sampled about, and then we did the middle groups too, which is probably more than we have time to go through tonight in terms of all that we learned from the entire spectrum. But uh, the first wave was just to look at the difference between high creative and high reactive leaders, uh, senior leaders. And then we sampled uh, in our total study about 4,000 pages of the written comments um, and turned that over to our researchers and they did a massive content analysis on it and identified 40 themes that were strengths and 37 themes that were leadership liabilities and then they went through and kept score on all that data and how often were each of these leaders, each of these groups of leaders, you know, commented on that. And in a particular way, I keep in squirrel getting all that, but it, it resulted in a very rich summary of the, of that data with metrics attached. And so, and then when we started to sort that and say, what are the top 10 strengths of the high creative leader or what are the top 10 strengths of the high reactive leader? And what are the top 10 liabilities and so on? We it just like blew us away. So that's the study. That's great, and, yeah. and thank you for, I think oh. the uh, the scholar in, in both of us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely wanted, right. wanted to yeah. wanted to hear yeah, that I for sure. Um, and, and, and so, as you know, you're using these you know kind of archetypes of high creative and high reactive. Could you could you just start to paint a picture for us a little bit about um, what a high creative leader, how they would show up, what a, how a high reactive leader would show up. Well, let me just uh, step back. I'll get into the what. The, see, what was unique about this study was we didn't start there. We just said let's let leaders define it. Mm-hmm. Right? How do how do senior leaders in a very intimate conversation like I'm going to give you feedback uh, about what you're doing as a leader that is working and not working, and that usually when we read those comments, they're they're written with real sincerity and. Um, concern or care for the leader's growth and development and learning. And so it's a pretty uh, intimate moment. So we we're looking at a street level view on how leaders actually talk to each other about leadership and what works and what doesn't work and so on. So 
Now, if I step back from that and say, what do we mean or what have we meant through the leadership circle for years um, on a reactive or creative leader? Yeah. Um, let me start with reactive because um, uh, these are two different um, forms of leadership, but in terms of the inner game or the inner operating system that runs them, they're uh, run by different stages of development. So if you look at Bob Keegan's work at Harvard, mm-hmm. on stages of adult development, a reactive leader would be functioning at an earlier stage, which is he calls socialized, mm-hmm. uh, which means you're primarily um, uh, uh, your behavior is made up from the outside in, meaning I'm um, responding to the expectations of my surround, people in authority, bosses, peers. What do I? How do I need to behave in order to stay in their good graces? And that can take lots of different forms. I mean, it can take really passive form. So I get cautious. I get careful. I back away from tough conflicts. I don't, I am indecisive and so on. That would be one form of it. It's opposite would be, I get overly controlling and aggressive. I don't give up power. I take up power and I take it up at the expense of others. And so, um, and then there's a form we call protecting where you're really identified rationally. So each type takes their core gift strength and says, this is me. This makes me me. Mm-hmm. I'm okay if people like me. I'm okay if I'm the one who drives the results and gets, you know, uh, makes things happen. I'm, I'm, I'm valuable because of my ideas. And to the extent that, that that's a driving assumption, we cannot not default to those behaviors. And so they have us, we don't have them. And so you see these different forms of them. Um, they're very recognizable. Um, person who is overly cautious and careful and agreeable, pleasing, needing to be liked, conflict averse, um, not really willing to step into very difficult issues and talk directly about them. That, that's one that we call that complying. Got it. On the other side of that is controlling. It's very ambitious, maybe excessively so. Robert Kaplan wrote a book about that beyond ambition, and then it can get quite autocratic and aggressive and so on, very driven, perfectionistic. And that has consequences usually in terms of team building, mentoring, relationships, trust. Um, And then you've got uh, a person like myself who can get caught up in their ideas and think that their ideas define them. That makes me very difficult to collaborate with around ideas because these ideas are me and don't mess with them. (laughs) That's great. And as soon as you go there, it's not an easy synergistic conversation. (laughs) So um, that's reactivity. And um, it's usually very talented people, but their skills are being run in that play not to lose what Covey called dependent, meaning you're dependent on outside validation for your sense of self-worth and security and so on. Um, That's the structure of it. So um, when that shifts, if it shifts, and it only shifts fully for about 80, uh, 20% of adults, uh, you're much you, you're much more driven from the inside out. You're focused now on an emergent sense of what's most important, 
That's why our title is about creating outcomes that matter most, because that's mm-hmm. the focus of the creative leader. What do I care about? What's most important? What's the organization I'm trying to build? What's the culture I want to leave in the wake of my leadership? These become seminal and uh, in focus, and you're building uh, a desired future, and that's the driving force. So it's more purposeful. It's more visionary. It, it, uh, it's it's um, politics, as Peter Block talked about, becomes authentic. So you're embodying the vision that you espouse in every encounter. It's emotionally intelligent. As Peter Senge talked about, systemic awareness starts to boot up here. And it's um, self-aware. It's about teams and people and empowerment and development. So that's the creative leadership. There are levels of leadership beyond that. Mm-hmm which we mm-hmm. lay out, but our, um, that was, that's where most adults uh, live. And this transition from reactive to creative is huge transition in adult life, and it's um, fundamental to creating the kind of leadership cultures, organizational cultures that we now espouse in order to thrive in a VUCA environment. Fantastic. Uh, so, <clears throat> well... I'm now oh, yeah. convinced, Bob. We um, we may need to spend the next six hours together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but, it, but instead, <laughs> instead, here. yeah, we'll, we're we're going to be focused, and we're we're gonna we'll we'll look for uh, all the insight that we can get in the time we have. Let me remind our listeners that it's leadership in action. You're listening to it's Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Jeff Klein, and our guest tonight is Bob Anderson, who is the founder, chairman, and chief creative officer of the Leadership Circle and the Full Circle Group. We're talking to him about uh, his new book, Scaling Leadership, Building Organizational Capability and Capacity to Create Outcomes that Matter Most. Over to you, Anne. Oh, great, Bob. A lot of questions. Um, but I'm wondering uh, if you see the likelihood of creative leadership emerging as people age. Now, I know that wouldn't be necessarily the case, but do the two tend to trend t- yeah, together? Yeah, one of the highest... Um correlating variables to stage of adult development is age and not because age is well experience can kick your butt around enough you got to grow up right so right um um but uh it does take time these these fundamental shifts restructuring of your whole meaning making system takes time and so age is highly correlated to it it's not really causal right other than right. other than ex- experience which can happen within that time mm-hmm. frame but it's it's highly correlated and one more and i did notice in your book that you had some mention of women and leadership in this regard yeah yes so first thing that stunned us about the data was the demographics so we know that our database is, and it's mostly middle to senior leaders, is more male than female. That stands to reason given what we know about the demographics in most organizations. Right. So it's 38% women. And when we started and we did a representative sample, in our high creative group, it was 52% women. In our high reactive group, it was 28% women. So just step back from that for a minute. Okay, so there's, there are only 38% of our 
total database for women. And when you're representing a sample of senior leaders and high creative, top quartile of high creative leaders, and our correlations to leadership effectiveness are like 0.93 to these variables. So you've got your basically effectiveness goes along with this. So our most high creative and high effective leaders, uh, 52 or 3% of them were women when they only make up 38% of the database. And, and in the high reactive, they were only 28% of that group. So that was the first thing. And uh, you just go, okay, so women are showing up more creatively and more consistently creative than men. And when we look at our percentile data, uh, normative data, and women typically score on these creative dimensions at 15, 20 percentile points higher than men do against the total norm base. So, um, and then when we looked at the, the thematic stuff that came out of the written comments, Oh, it, just, it was stunning because if you take the top 10 strengths of the high creative leaders, um, six out of the 10 of them are relationship related. <laughs> six out of 10. This blew us away. It surprised the heck out of us. And, and then we were surprised by why we were surprised. It was like, <laughs> we've been talking about this forever. How come this blows us away? And I think it was because it was so predominant. And... I think the other thing is that we've been looking at leadership through a quantitative lens through the survey, you know, and when you do the analysis, achieving results uh, carries the day. Mm -hmm. Relating is highly correlated to effectiveness, but when you look at how, how it all works in the, in the statistics, it's pretty clear that um, achieving is um, really a, a powerful part of it. So it surprised us. So when you ask leaders then, what are the best leaders or what really makes this person effective, they talk about relationships. Mm -hmm. So the top 10, uh, they go like this, strong people skills, which is a catch-all for this person is really good with people and so on. And then they broke it down. Visionary, team builder, passionate, uh, personable and approachable, leads by example, good leader, a good listener, develops people, empowers people, positive attitude. That's the top 10 high creative leader. Mm -hmm. uh, think about that. Think just the people strength. First, you got vision and passion and, pr and purpose and drive and that sort of thing you would expect that. And authenticity is a strong player here, leads by example, person of integrity. And then you've got strong people skills, team builder, you know, good listener, develops people, empowers people, approachable. So good. Like, okay. Now I'm assuming, so, and I know we're going to so take we're going to take a. Let me, soft... let, me, let, let me just finish this for a minute because here's the thing about women leaders. What we when we step back from this and said, what is this really trying to tell us? That's where the title came from. What leaders are saying. These are leaders providing feedback to other leaders. What they're saying is, the best leaders scale leadership. They get a multiple on their leadership by scaling it through relationship. They're good at one-on-one, one-on-team, one-on-organization. And that's what le they've leveraged that to scale leadership in the organization. And that's a more feminine model. And um, so women, I think, are bringing a really important corrective into leadership. You know, Bob, as we're looking at um, the book and, and the study that really came out of it, you said, um, you know, it. Scaling leadership is about 
increasing the multiple, right? In- increasing the leverage on your leadership. And, and the framework that you've talked about within the book says, all right, there is an aspect of this which needs to start with you as the person. There's an aspect of this which is about how you develop and, and lead the teams that you're a part of. And then there's an aspect of this which is how you're really building uh, a leadership system. And, and what we hope to do in the, the second part of the hour here is just walk through that and maybe bring each of those uh, aspects of the framework to life. Yeah. All right. So you're game and we're game. Yep. <laughs> um, so if you would, take us to the start with yourself piece of this. Um, you know, as you've worked across executive leaders, um, you know, who comes to mind as, as as a great example of someone who has really been able to identify um, and then leverage their their inventory of, you know, as, as you were describing them, strengths and liabilities? Yeah, well, there's a lot of them. Uh, we write up a number of them. Um, but I'll start with uh, Jeff Hilsinger. Jeff, uh, we devote a whole chapter to Jeff mm-hmm. and his, his leadership journey. We, we have four leadership circle profiles on him over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Jeff, when we first met him, was the CEO, CFO, um, second and kind of uh, number two in a uh, financial organization. And equipment leasing finance company. They were at the time we met them. They were four years into a startup and probably um, already in the top 100 in that industry and the fastest growing company in the industry. So they were knocking it on the park. And uh, Jeff's profile was showed really strong skills in the area of strategy and vision and uh, driving results and decisiveness and so on. And he mm-hmm. was also highly. Um, uh, reactive, highly arrogant, highly autocratic, uh, very driven, a, a kind of an aggressive style. He's the smartest guy in the room. I mean, the guy is just absolutely brilliant. And he was really, um, uh, was a tremendous contributor and really hard to work with. <laughs> and um, he, the first round of feedback, he didn't take seriously. And, um, uh, kind of blew it off. I don't know. Uh, you know, and, um, he would admit this. We have a video on our, of him on our website, Scaling Leadership. And at this point, it's 10 years down the road and he kind of laughs at what, you know, it's like, that's the kind of thing you miss when you're arrogant. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, and, so, but my, my guess is that his arrogance is also because he's, he's being effective. Well, that's part of it. See, these are strengths run reactive. So he is really gifted. Right. He is really brilliant. And when you start to take that too seriously or it defines you, it's running you, then it can become overbearing and problematic. Mm-hmm. And it gets, starts to cancel out your effectiveness rather than be a, a strength that you have. It's a strength that has you. Mm-hmm. And so... He went from when he got his second round of feedback, he was about 30th percentile in, on effectiveness. So he's approaching bottom quartile right. in terms of his leadership effectiveness, as seen by his organization. When we finished uh, the last one, he was at 95 on that same thing, and CEO of another organization and had taken that um, organization in two years. Once he became a CEO, taking the stock 120%. Mm-hmm. And 
he did everything you just described. He got serious and said, okay, I get it. Um, I have to change. And what we see in leaders that lead transformation efforts successfully, senior leaders, CEOs, is that uh, the best of them do it, um, they start with themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm the project. And uh, <clears throat> if we got to change around here, that has implications for me as a leader. And, and they take that on, and they take it on openly. And they ask for help. And they step out of being the one who has to have it all buttoned down and know everything and have all the answers. And they... Um, um, and they become a learner. So they move, as uh, Fred Kaufman would say, from knowing to learning. And that was, that was, that would be a great way to describe what happened with Jeff. And, um, and, you know, you can just watch what happened over the progressive profiles and the impact on results. Um, so, so that's number one. They start with themselves, they get feedback, uh, they usually ask for help, they bring in help. Uh, like us, we were having that privilege to work with him, other leaders like that. Um, they don't assume that, um, that they have this expertise. And so, um, and they take on their own agenda and then they put their team on it or invite their team into it. And so the whole team is in a learning agenda. Um, in the same way that I just described for Jeff. So the whole team's, you know, getting feedback. Feedback's an important component. One of the things we found in our study was that senior leaders uh, actually know what good leadership is and can articulate it. And um, and they do so with remarkable precision. Mm-hmm. So when we looked at the four different groups that we sampled, the high creative, the mid creative, the mid reactive, and the high reactive, we sampled those four spectrums. The quantitative data and the qualitative data paralleled uncannily. So you could just watch the qualitative data and the numbers in the qualitative data literally shift from predominantly liability to predominantly strength progressively as the scores on the profile shifted with them. So mm-hmm. we think we think leaders are swimming in a feedback-rich environment, and most of them don't harvest it. <laughs> so part part of what we do and, and Jeff did was how do we set up or harvest that feedback-rich environment? So I'm accountable. Everybody in the team knows what I'm working on, both strength and liability, what I'm trying to do with my leadership, and they're actively in support of that and uh, challenging each other. And this is not an off-site, off-site training conversation. This is a business conversation. Yeah. And so it, how I'm how I'm showing up in the middle of an important business meeting um, becomes the learning, you know, mm-hmm. the, the kind of learning environment. And so <clears throat> that's getting the whole team. Uh, and then what happens is the team takes responsibility uh, for leadership or scaling leadership in the organization. It's not delegated. <clears throat> HR, for example, HR becomes an important ally and can help tremendously. But the leadership and the ownership for transforming leadership and thereby culture 
and performance in the organization is held at the top. And, and Bob, as, as you're describing um, both starting with yourself and then involving the team, is, mm-hmm. how much of that is a sequential process? How much is that of that is a parallel process? I, I think it, it can it can. I think it's more parallel than sequential. Okay. Talk about it sequentially. But I do think um, there comes a wake-up call for the leader, right? Now, right. Um, okay, I, I got to go. Th- I got to do this, and we got to do this. And so it's uh, helpful when I get started and I lead it openly. Right. Okay, here's, what I'm, here's my profile. We had a organization I can't mention because you would know it uh, very <laughs> iconic and and a leader that you would know um, got 35 pages of written comments very high reactive mm-hmm. brilliant man brilliant contributor to the organization people just went on and on about his contribution and um, he was really in the way and um, he refused to read the comments. Oh. He, re- he would not read them, sat for a month in his, on his shelf. And then one day on a four-day weekend, he took them home and read them. Mm. And about midway through the weekend, called his 30-some-year assistant and read her what he was learning, and she said, yep, <laughs> that's, that's you. And that's it. Is that the wake-up so, call, Bob? Because it... That's the wake-up call. Okay. Yeah. So his wife said the same thing to him. And she didn't usually wife's go, come on, I've been trying to tell you this for years, you know. Right. <laughs> but, but actually, she, was, she said, oh, you have such an opportunity here to end your suffering. And he went in on the next day, called an all-hands meeting. It was a large organization, but a big corporate office building. Called everybody together. said, held up his profile and talked about what he'd learned over the weekend. In tears. And his creative genius and he said i have to learn and this is pivotal to our research he said i have to learn how to get the same joy in others creative creativity or uh, expression as i do my own mm-hmm. and what we found with reactive leaders is that they were their top 10 strengths mostly focused on their unique brilliance technical knowledge, domain knowledge, intellect, results capable, you know, uh, brilliant, create creative brilliance, and so on. Those are the strengths that were most endorsed by for the high creative, high reactive leaders. But creative leaders got equally high scores there in the comments. So we looked back at that, we looked at that for a while, and we said, what's this trying to tell us? And we realized that these one are equally talented groups. You just look at raw intellect, creative brilliance, genius. These are equally talented groups. You don't get to these senior levels without being really, 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 um, you know, smart and uh, creative and brilliant and, and yet experienced 180 degrees differently as leaders. One um, highly effective and the other seen as highly ineffective as a leader. Not that they're not making a contribution. So we stepped back and we said, these kind of capabilities are that high reactive leaders are running are table stakes. They are required. They are essential. You don't play if you don't have them. And they don't differentiate 
leadership. What differentiates leadership is all the stuff we talked about earlier. Yeah. That doesn't show up on the list of high reactive leaders. And so here's a here's a perfect example of a guy and Jeff similar. He's running his leadership through his own brilliance. And that has built in limits to scale, especially as the organization four X's and um, all of a sudden I can't run that much through one body anymore. <laughs> I become the bottleneck. And so I double down on my high control or whatever it is that I'm doing. And um, it becomes problematic. And that's exactly where Jeff was and that's exactly where this leader was that we're talking about. Now, and, Bob, so, I'm going to just jump in here because Jeff has to do a reset. <laughs> he has to remind <laughs> listeners, you know, who you are, who Jeff is, who I am, and that this is yeah, leadership in great. action. So I'm doing an assist I get, here. I, I All get right. on a roll. So <laughs> All right. Okay, go for it, Jeff. Who yeah, are we? No problem. I'm Jeff. As Ann might have mentioned, and, and that was Ann. <laughs> Thank you. We're talking with uh, Bob Anderson, and, and we're talking about his new book, Scaling Leadership, Building Organizational Capability and Capacity to Create Outcomes that Matter Most. Um, yeah, Anne? and now, yeah, I do have a follow-up question for you, Bob, because um, I jog, soon to be walking, but I jog with a clinical psychologist named Marcy. Jeff calls her my imaginary friend. But Marcy, <laughs> <laughs> Marcy says when we talk about change, behavioral change, she sometimes has an expression about just a 5% shift in behavior can have uh, enormous downstream consequences. So I'm just wondering when you talk about, um, you know, the unnamed CEO and uh, and Jeff Hilsinger, who you referred to earlier, what kinds of behavioral changes uh, let's say, did Jeff make that had such an enormous reward? Yeah. Well, we kind of recommend people get um, two things in focus. What's the uh, what's the one thing, just one big thing, that mm-hmm. if I shift it would change everything? So this is like the trim tap, you know, the 5% that gives you the 90%. Right, exactly. If I shifted that. I shifted that, it would take my leadership to another level. And then how do I get in my own way? How do I cancel myself out? We haven't even talked about leadership liabilities that came out of the study. The reactive leaders are six and a half times creative leaders here. So how do I get in my own way? What is that? And then that's it. Get Start getting feedback on it and start working it. And that is very powerful. Right. So, for example, if a leader tends to be uh, reactive and when pressed will double down on control step number one just simply recognizing that realizing yeah. that that's your default yeah. reaction is critical and then right. step number two and this could be excruciatingly difficult to do but when you recognize that you're beginning to double down to just pause and not do what you usually do right so I was talking with a leader in a coaching site, three, t- you know, we were debriefing his profile. He's really high autocratic and low on relationship stuff. And he, I asked him, do you ever, tell me about how you run meetings. And started, I don't know how it came up, but I said, do you ever just like take over a meeting? <laughs> oh, I do it all the time. And he, I said, yeah. he said, well, what, you know, and, and then anyway, I said, well, how does, what, just before, he says, yeah, I got to change it. I got to change it. I said, well, how do you, what happens in your body when you, just before he goes, I call it I pounce. Just before I pounce, I said, mm. okay. So before you pounce, 
what's happening in your body? And he was very um, descriptive of the kind of inner pressure, fear, anger, frustration that welled up in his, right up through his, you know, into his throat. You know, and he's like, I said, okay, right there. Now that's your cue. You're about to pound. So what do you do now? What could you do differently? And um, now we can work that very deeply. What's underneath that whole emotional reaction? What's the story you're telling yourself? And what's a core assumption like one failure ball game over? I am my successes. I am my result. Mm, that's true. Right. And, you know, that defines me. If right. I'm not getting, right? So this meeting gets a little squirrely and it looks like we're running behind or we might not make our goals or our, get things, bring things in on time. And all of a sudden I can't stand it anymore because I'm now at risk. So you can work it deeply in terms of the structure, the play not to lose structure that's underneath it. Right. And you can work it uh, like what's the one way that I could um, show up differently in that moment. So right. I could listen. I could just breathe and step back and listen. Hmm. Take five minutes and listen before I pounce. Yeah, so good. And that that's enough. And then, and then you're in it. Yeah. And we've done that with people, and they come back and they say, wow, I can't believe how much I learned <laughs> mm. or what happened, yeah. how creative the team got, and so on and so on. And they That's took great. responsibility for it. So, Bob, I, I'm not really sure how this happened, but we're at the end of our hour. <laughs> yeah. And so we're going to need to have you back on. Exactly. I knew we had six yeah, hours to talk about Yeah, because we never got to the here. liabilities and the derailers, we didn't, even get, we didn't get to the VUCA environment. We, <laughs> how do you recognize the environments? We have so much more to do. But um, for our listeners that are with us right now, Bob, how can they uh, find the book, learn more about what you're doing with the Leadership Circle and, and Full Circle Group? Well, the leadershipcircle.com, all okay. three words, the leadership circle. And then you'll see a reference to the book there. But if you just go to Amazon and, uh, or Google Scaling Leadership. Right. And th this book uh, is, this is released two days ago, right? Yeah, released yesterday. Released yesterday. So Hot congratulations. Congratulations. We're delighted yeah, to have had you here on the show and to have yeah. at least started this conversation. And um, we got two of the very first copies. Oh, look at that. Yeah, well, it hit, it <laughs> hit number you. one in business development on Amazon, and, hit, and it also hit it in economics, a number of categories. So we're really excited about it. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Received. Ed Catmull wrote a foreword to it. Ed Catmull picks our too. So yep. um, it's, um, we're excited about the book. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Bob. We hope to continue My this conversation pleasure. soon. All right. And wow. my friend. Yes. All right. You have. Uh, we have our after action yeah. review, and just give me give me a headline or, or a question that emerges that mm. from from what it is that you know the, from the conversation we just had yeah. that opens the door to scaling leadership. The new book by Bob Anderson and Bill Adams. Well, all right, Jeff. Well, part of what uh, just gave me a little bit of heart, believe it or not, was the method that Bob and his colleague, William Ann Adams, used in working on the book, they looked at verbatims, yeah. qualitative feedback that I leaders... thought that might warm you. It did. It warmed my heart. I know that we very much appreciate the quantitative side, but I love the deep dive into the qualitative comments 
that senior leaders were giving other senior leaders. And just taking a look at that and figuring out, okay, what surfaces to the top? What matters? Yep. And it, and I'm, if I may say, because Jeff, you and I talk about this a lot, the importance of relationships and that scaling comes down to relationships. Voila. <laughs> All right. And, and I'm going to cheat a little bit. All right. Because as part of the After Action Review, we usually look back, but I, I'm going to actually add something that shows up over and over again in the book, is um, absolutely aligned with you know my understanding of leadership and philosophy of leadership, but we never actually said it tonight, so I, I want to add Please it to the record. It. Yes, yes. And that is that, that Bob and his, Bob Anderson, his co-author Bill Adams, um, over and over again make the assertion that a leader's greatest responsibility is to develop the leadership of those around him or her. Yes. Right. And and I think, you know, it comes through in the framework of, OK, start with yourself, but then bring the team into it, um, develop the systems within the organization. And and that really is how I think any leader is going to amplify their own impact. Right. It, it's going to be through alignment and through connection with others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the that model of, well, I'll, I'll just have to work harder. Or I'll just have to, you know, control more. Um you know, the same skills show up, the same brilliance, but um, effectiveness goes way down. Exactly. Right? We've got to engage others. So. Right. And taking joy in the achievement of others. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, and, and, and you know that I'm pro-joy. So, you are. So we're, we're <laughs> going to end. pro-relationship. Yeah, we're going to end in a pro-joy kind of way. Um, we want to thank all our listeners for joining us tonight. If you have a question about anything you heard on today's show, you can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Be sure to follow our show on Twitter at BizRadio132. I'm Jeff. That's Ann. This is Leadership in Action. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.